Hey guys, welcome to episode 207 of the podcast as Boys of Summer continues. Uh, this is uh, hopefully going to be satisfying to many of you because I had a lot of requests for this guest and uh, I have to agree it was a long time coming and I'm delighted it worked out. Uh, we each recorded in uh, our own worlds with our own equipment and uh, merged the files together like magic. Um, the wonderful, wonderful Mark Gagliardi. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'm a little behind on shout outs. Uh, I am just wrapping up the production here in Atlanta and I'm markedly less sick. So thanks to all of those uh, of you who wished me a, a quick recovery. I can't say the recovery has been quick, but it is slowly happening. Uh, and, uh, and that's it. I hope you enjoy the episode and I will talk to you next time. Now entering Nerdist.com. Yeah, I have an, I'm in a condo. I'm on the 20th floor, um, which in and of itself has been kind of a fun adventure with all the thunderstorms and stuff. There have been some touch mm-hmm. and go moments where I've been real into it and then lightning has struck something very visible and close and I've thought, <laughs> do I love being on the 20th floor though? Do I? Yeah. Let me get out of the way of this window. Let me just move all of my things into this closet with no windows and just relax in an awkward and paranoid manner. Um, no, but so you, you were recording and I wasn't and that I'm bitterly disappointed in that, but you were saying that, that it's pouring rain to the point where uh, even the subway start, starts to feel like you're outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The subway itself was flooding. You'd think 10 feet underground, you would be safe, but nowhere is safe. Is that, is that, would they ever shut the subways down? Because, uh, I mean, I like to think of a sort of tidal wave, like a deep impact style, just a rush of water. Like well, a, su- like the maybe last a time they shut it like, down, yeah. Hurricane Sandy was that. Oh, sure it was. And, and the R train, which goes to the lowest point, from the lowest point in Brooklyn to the lowest point in Manhattan underground, just completely filled with water that's, during Hurricane Sandy. so crazy. Yeah. So it took them a year to fix that. That's so crazy. Which, yeah. Oh, well. Uh, are you ready? Oh, I'm very ready. I'm very ready. I'm Good. recording. It's hard, I'm it's so hard to say where we should even start because I don't have, I have no... Uh, I don't know. I just don't have a, a, a natural um, introduction to the uh, to, to the opening of the podcast. I don't. I mean, I do a little intro in advance, and so right. the, um, like the pre roll. All of this, and then yeah. The all of this is. Right. I, I would say this 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 right now. Like right now, people probably are already listening. Right. Oh. Now. Oh well, hello, people who are listening. <laughs> You have to get I feel all, weird. Like, suddenly I feel like your whole personality changes, your voice changes. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> allow me to Hello, put on my podcasting voice. <laughs> Did I do um, that? Not at all. <laughs> not at okay. all. Oh, God. Not now I'm self conscious that I'm like just chatting with you and then I'm like, oh, it's time to record? All right. <laughs> no, you just have a natural voice for a radio, which you already know, I'm sure. Um, oh. 
it's it's a it's a wonderful and voice. And you have a natural voice for podcasting. Uh, thank you so much. It's so inviting much. and wonderful and lovely. I like to think of my voice as a audio hug. Um, I don't know that that's the case or that I've ever said that before or ever will again, but there it just rolled well, out, just tripped off the lips. So, somebody's Yelp review is about to get audio hug added to it. <laughs> you know what? Someone did say that. Oh, my God. I just uh, stole someone's quote. That is exactly what it is. It was an iTunes review that said this podcast is like listening to a hug. I that is such a great ripped review. someone off. I ripped off a wonderful listener and pretended like I I had thought of it. I apologize. Listen, I apologize no, no, just... from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> this is you going just very paid poorly. a compliment forward. I <laughs> but you paid it forward to the person it was originally intended for anyway. Does that make it a full circle? Is that a loop? Is that a time yeah, loop? That's a... Have we traveled? Are, are we traveling in time right now? Uh, I hope if we are, we're going forward in time. Otherwise, our computers will stop working. Oh, that's a really good point. Were you one of those people right. that believed that uh, that that we would lose technology uh, when the clocks rolled over into? I mean, I guess we did have some weird stuff happen. But were you like a twelve twenty twelve thirty one ninety nine freaker router? That was. Did you hear that thunder that just happened? By the way, no, it was really loud thunder. I hope like the as you did. said that, Foreboding. as you said that, a big thunderclap. Yeah, um, a little bit only because I'd heard lots of conspiracy theories my whole life. Like there was the Mayan twenty twelve thing. There was all yeah. these different stories about when the world was going to end, and this wasn't a doomsday. This is when the world is going to end, sort of thing. This is like a no. This is a practical thing that we didn't think of that might screw up a lot of technology and a lot of things. Yeah. So it felt more real, like that was a thing that could actually possibly happen. Yeah, that's like oh, that's what like techie nerds can be afraid of who don't believe in anything else. Scary. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) that is that is their hell, and that's why they're good people in life. That's right. That's right. Um, but something when did I was, happen, uh, right? Didn't something ha- didn't a couple things go a little bit hinky and and it was enough that that people were able to point to it and be like, "Well, my oven did stop working for 2 days." Like there were I feel like there were a couple things yeah, where I, I joke there were a couple things that were bigger things. than that, but but yeah, there were minimal things. Uh, but I don't know. I always I always felt like they got it right. Whoever the scientists were that were working on it, like oh. Everybody, just, you know, they were able to preempt. Yeah, like January first happened, and people were like those scientists were so dumb, nothing happened. <clears throat> I was like, well, maybe nothing happened because the scientists aren't dumb and they fixed it. Yeah. Also, I love that there's just you know? a group of scientists working in a room somewhere <laughs> on that problem. <laughs> As the clock is ticking down, everyone's watching <laughs> exactly. the ball drop. Exactly. Sweat is pouring off of their lab coats. Yeah. Um, At 11.59, someone <laughs> went, wait a minute, guys, just make it four digits instead of two. And the whole world was saved. I want that to be true. I really do. I hope it um, is. Did you have, and, and when you had kind of heard all those different theories, did you have mm-hmm. um, a, a sort of love of the kind of supernatural or the sort of longing for maybe not obviously armageddon is kind of a uh the end of the world is a little bit drastic but did you did you kind of want those mystics to be right you know or were you a very practical kid who was more like no i that's no that's not real 
I wanted it. I both wanted it to be true and didn't want it to be true because I like to believe in the supernatural. Um, I was raised Catholic. And the thing that always weirded me out the most as a kid was not, um, you know, death and heaven and hell. Uh, it was the idea of eternity. Because mm. as a kid, I was deathly afraid that I would get bored in eternity. <laughs> Understandable. Like, like eternity is a really, really long time. And I remember sitting in my room as a kid think, and I you know, went to Catholic school and we were taught that was you went to heaven and it's bliss for all eternity. And as a kid, I even then I was like, I don't that feels <laughs> like I don't know what I'm going to do forever. My mind couldn't <laughs> grasp forever. So the concept of being around forever terrified me. Yeah. Did, um, did you like how how did your relationship with Catholicism evolve if if in fact it did, which I, I imagine it probably did. Um, it uh, did. As you got older, where, it, where, did, where were you in your teenage years with your relationship to that? I was very much a uh, I was a, a pretty firm believer growing up um, in the I, I was always a guy who believed in the the good parts mm-hmm. and like I was never a hell guy, you know, <laughs> uh, is that a weird thing to say? I love it. No, no. I understand um, exactly what you mean. You, you weren't, mar- you weren't marching around with a sign going like, y'all going to burn in hell. Right. No, but I liked the, I liked the, the, the teachings and the community of it. We had, when I was in high school, I used to run Catholic retreats. Uh, as a as a high schooler, I was the, where, I was the co director. By the way, of, I've been an irresponsible host and not uh, determined for the listener where you were a teenager. I was born and raised in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah, you were. Which is the east end of Tennessee, where the University of Tennessee is. Uh, so it was, and we took pride in the fact that during the Civil War, we tried to do what West Virginia did, only we were unsuccessful, which is break away from the rest of the state so as to not have to be Confederate. I mean that is that's um, so a, that's I a point. I see that being a point of pride for sure. That is that was a, that was a point of pride. Um, so I was born and raised in Knoxville, and there weren't a lot of Catholics in Knoxville. There were really only two Catholic churches that were big. So that was the the community. Like we knew every Catholic teenager in the district when I was mm-hmm. in high school. And did you and your, your so school I, was your school also Catholic or no? It was a public school. No, my grade school was Catholic. I did gotcha. eight years of Catholic grade school, gotcha. where there was like. 60 kids per grade and then high school I went to the big public high school there were about 500 kids per grade yeah and you um, knew every single Catholic teenager I knew every Catholic teenager because we'd all most of us had gone to that same Catholic elementary school together so I'd known everyone from the like from the time that you know we picked the one kid to pick on uh, <laughs> when we were like seven and then that kid turned out cool later and you know so it was like you saw everybody's ebbs and flows, and mm-hmm. we all knew each other pretty intimately. So it made those retreats really comfortable. Also, those retreats were held at the church of the school that I had gone to as a kid. So coming back to that that building when I was in high school and running these things, it just felt good. And the priest that we had was great. He was like 22, uh, and he wore tivas and just the little uh, <laughs> like per- – purple scarf he wasn't like a uh you know black shirt white collar black pants kind of priest he was a hip priest he was a 
Yeah, he was a he was a hip uh he was a hip um what do they call him? Uh order priests. Like the Jesuits are cool, the Paulists are cool. It's the ones that are in like the diocesan hierarchy that eventually made me leave the church. Mhm. Mhm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do. Well, that's I mean, uh, that sounds like good clean teenage living right there. Yeah. Did you? I mean, because, we all would make out, of course. Well, that, well, you know what? That I'm, I'm interested in that because that's. I mean, I don't know how much I've gone into this on the podcast. Hopefully, I've gone into it enough that that people remember who've listened to a lot of episodes. Mm-hmm. But um, that was kind of an interesting twist to Mormonism, which was like the Mormon church that I had to go to as a teenager because um, my, because my mom had custody of me on Sundays. Uh, was uh, to my knowledge, at least within my age group very clean cut i think there was some business happening maybe with some of the older teenagers but um Mm -hmm. but i felt like i had a really really straight laced kind of age group of of kids that i was um exposed to on sundays the sweetest people but i I definitely felt like i was the black sheep i absolutely was a black sheep i mean i was doing all kinds of stuff i wasn't supposed to be because i just (laughs) wasn't an active member of the church despite the fact that i had to go to church whenever i was in town you know with my mom and were you were you uh public school during the week i was public school yeah i was public school and my and 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 my whole life was sort of atheistic except for going to church with my mom and having but I but I enjoyed the sense of community you know I I liked the people very much I wasn't one of those kids that was you know a teenager who was like fuck all of you you know I hate being here I was like no you guys are all so nice this is fun you don't know that I've done LSD you can you can find that (laughs) yeah and you didn't have to tell them did they did any of them know did you ever did you you have anyone in there that you revealed it to no, because I because my mom lived in a different area than my dad, and I went to high school mm-hmm. near where my dad lived, and I went to church where my mom lived, and no one from that church went to my school. So I had no interaction oh. whatsoever with those teenagers except for – and I was also – I was a year older – in school than all of the kids my age in church. So they mm-hmm. were always, they would have been a year behind me anyway. But when I went to a, like a family camp, like a retreat, right? Like a Mormon retreat where these mm-hmm. Mormons were being shipped in with their families from all over. That was like make out central. I mean, it was the, it was the epitome <laughs> of like clean, clean living kids, like getting into a yeah. ton of trouble. And, uh, and, and, and I, and so I, you never know. Cause you know, I've talked to a lot of people like, you know, uh, Jackson did not fall into the category of oh you know we were kind of messing around even though we were good kids going on a retreat like I think it was very straight laced mm-hmm. um, yeah that's I mean listen that's well, that's sec- that's kind of sexy <laughs> that Jackson was such a good <laughs> no oh listen Jackson's sexy no matter what but so are you oh yeah but I'm talking about oh, like the sort now. of like oh gosh you know listen I know that we're we're both good people because we're both here at this retreat so if my hand accidentally is on your boob I mean mm-hmm. it's not like I'm a bad guy <laughs> right we're good people by nature of the fact that we're here that's right um I had two very distinct well, I had lots of very distinct friend groups. I was a floater, um, but I had those the church friends. But I also had my theater club drama friends from high school, and those were the ones that was that was all of the hedonism mm-hmm. was there. Yeah, in that and and we and we would do these competitions on weekends, and many of them were sleep away, like you like you mentioned with the church retreats. We this yeah. is schools from all over. 
and we knew, like, I knew girls that I only knew from other schools. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, like oh, we're, we're going to definitely see these, these people at this conference, and we're going to see these people at this competition. So that was when, yeah, all bets were off. I mean, I feel like at, at that age, in an environment like that, even in junior high, going to like a student council retreat, something about being in a different city with people who aren't from your school, with people who are from different schools, mm-hmm. would bring out this reckless abandon in people that I would never see before or after. There was just this sort of, and I remember when I, when I talk about it with you, I can actually mm-hmm. feel my pulse quicken and I can kind of feel like a lump in my throat of excitement because there was just, there's, there was this, this, <laughs> it was this wide open field of like, we're a bunch of yeah. people who don't know each other staying in hotel rooms away from our parents like this. Which feels is so grown crazy. up. Yeah. And it yeah. was just, I just felt, I just remember feeling amped, like amped, like hormone amped. And I wasn't out there. I, I wasn't like a 13 year old having sex or anything like that. I barely even mm-hmm. like held anyone's hand uh, for, a, for like a big chunk of my adolescence. But the, the idea that it could happen was like the <laughs> overwhelming thought in my mind. You know what I mean? Right. I guess it was... Biologically, you mentioned hormones. I wonder if it was like there were just pheromones in your air that you weren't used to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. your body's like, "Who are you?" <laughs> was it? What was your theater um, club? What was that? Just part of school that was like a class? Was it like sixth period, or was it something that met after school, or both? There, the way ours worked was there were two different acting classes, which is great for a public school to have. Yeah. Uh, they had in- intro to acting. And when you passed intro to acting, you could take advanced acting. And once you got to advanced acting, you never left until you graduated. I guess that was true for me, too. So I think was, I did the same. Yeah. Yeah. So like though, like there was always the the – People who would try theater as their arts elective. But yeah. then there was that core group. And we were the ones that would, you know, we'd be in the theater until two in the morning uh, building sets. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd, and that was probably my most close-knit community. And I'm still really close with a lot of those guys, which I think is uh, a, a testament to our, our two teachers. One of our teachers got booted um, before my senior year. So we had a different teacher my senior year. The was there a reason for that? Was. Like, was there a salacious fun <laughs> yeah. reason or was it? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even yeah, know. I this thought is like, mm. Yeah, I know. Well, this is several years on and he's got a career now and is fine and I won't use any names. But uh, he liked to do this thing. He was very into his Scottish heritage. And so, <laughs> I don't know where this is going and, and so, I'm already so excited. Every year when we would – when there would be the final – uh, the final state, like the big state competition, and it was always a hotel thing. He would get all of the seniors and all of the juniors, like the core people that had been there the longest. And he would <laughs> – this is really terrible. He he would do an out with the old, in with the new scotch toast. Oh. And, and he would – and oh he my. gathered everybody. Yeah, in like the suite and, you know, everybody would sort of sit – and he would do this – he would make this big uh, elaborate speech and then everybody would go around and talk about their feelings and who they were as people and how far they had come and welcome the new uh, the new crop in. And then unfortunately in the eyes of the school board, the next step was problematic where he <laughs> – <laughs> 
Everybody had a red Solo cup with a tiny sip of scotch in it. <laughs> I mean, that's not even like prancing around like the border of the rules where you know oh, no, no, he no, could no. maybe is, yeah. he could maybe try and argue i mean that is just beyond overstepping anything how long did he think he was going to get away with that and by the way i love well, everything i love everything about what it sounds like he did <laughs> except for that there was no way that that wasn't going to land him out of a job right right uh we i he had faith in uh his students not making a big deal out of it Mm-hmm. Was he young? Um, he was very young. He was like 24, 25. Yeah, so he was um, like, you guys are like me. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, there were a couple of students who took uh, who took umbrage with it. And uh, and they went to the school administration. There were other factors that there, there were sort of personal vendettas involved. Uh, and we had sort of two camps formed a very small. Yeah, screw this guy camp and a very a much larger loyal camp Yeah, um, who had seen all the good that he'd done. And it was one of those moments. Uh, it was a, I had a really weird moment because of this. My my best friend growing up. Uh, Brandon Carroll went to a different school than me um, when we, we went to different high schools. But his father was our vice principal at my high school. And so I had grown up with Brandon's dad, like going and, you know, spending the night at his house like sure. all kids do and watch, staying up late and watching movies and eating a three pound bag of M&Ms uh, and that kind of stuff. You know, so he'd known me since I was really small. And he he pulled me aside in the hallway one day and said, Mark, can I talk to you? Yes, sir, Mr. Carroll. Um, I'm sure you've heard rumblings of what's been going on. Uh, do you know anything about <gasps> this Ugh. this teacher giving alcohol to students? Oh, no. And I he said... He McCarthyism you. He McCarthyism me. <laughs> and I said, Mr. Carroll, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And he said, he said, Mark... I've known you your whole life <sighs> and I and I understand the loyalty that a player feels for his coach. Mm. So, I'll ask you again, are you aware of any alcohol being given to students? And I said, Mr. Carroll, I don't know what you're talking about. And knowing full well that I knew exactly what he was talking about. Yeah. He just gave me a smile. And a nod and said, okay, and walked away. And we never spoke about it again. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. I was afraid that the story was going to be like, and then I got suspended for not telling, you know. (laughs) Right. Like, oh, "Oh, no, no, no. no. Like, Mr. Carroll and I were cool. Like, he was like, all right, I've got enough. He's like, I got enough people who are, you know, I got enough people who have talked about it. I'm not going to make you do it. Right. You know what I mean? Did you. When you were talking about the kind of the two camps, uh, did you mm-hmm. have um, – and by the way, I'll preface this by saying I'll be very surprised if the answer is yes because you're just not – you're certainly not this person now and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with being this person. But um, did you have like tempestuous sort of falling outs with people? Did you have – because that was, that was purely you know people who disagreed with – um, what that teacher had done and stuff, but but did you have any of that kind of like teenage drama of like I don't know my friend's mad at me I don't know why um, because I imagine no. you I just feel like you're so you're just not someone who attracts that kind of energy ever. 
Yeah, I I avoided all of that. I try to I try to be I guess diplomatic to a fault because it has you know like some people really pride themselves on loyalty and I do to a to a degree, but I also see try to see both sides of a thing. So I'm like, I get it. They were uncomfortable with this. Technically, it was very against the rules. I could I tried to see both sides of it. And the teacher that came in the next year was very good. Yeah. Um, did, and we, that, were, we all embraced him quickly. Um, well, I'm glad to hear that. I, I, I'm, what, is that something, is that the way your family kind of conducts itself? How, how big is your family? And do you, did you play that role in your family or did you have the kind of family where there, there wasn't much conflict anyway? No, I, my family, that was we never questions. really had much conflict. That Yeah. Uh, we never really had much conflict, but, uh, I wound up. My parents split up when I was 17 and the day that it happened, the day that it, the day that the pot boiled over, my sister had uh, palm squad practice and my brother had football practice. And I, I guess paid the price for not being as athletic as them. <laughs> so I was the only one who came home from school at three thirty. They were there long into the evening and when I got home, the pot had boiled over and I found myself for the next probably decade being the uh, the liaison voice of reason go between between the two of them. Interesting. Like even to the point where at my brother's wedding, they were on in two different rooms during the uh, during the rehearsal dinner. And I had appetizer with one entree with the other dessert with one <laughs> coffee with the other. Like, yeah, I was that was my task at my brother's wedding. And and to that point, and I don't want to, you know, uh, violate your parents privacy. But um, Mm -hmm. was that enough? That sounds like it was a situation even with that where you were like, I can see where my mom's coming from. I can see where my dad's coming from. I'm not going to make either one of them the bad guy in this scenario. Did they have I I hope that they so, so I guess they haven't become friendly. Oh no, that's uh, that's hard, man. It's tough, yeah. especially hard it's for tough. someone like you who doesn't, you know, who doesn't love conflict and who can see both sides of of any situation. To feel like it's so hard when it's a situation where there was love once and that it mm-hmm. that it's still painful enough uh, for one or both parties that that there's residual stuff there opposed to like well well we made the i mean like my parents uh stayed very very friendly um i think they were both really sad that their marriage didn't work out but um Mm -hmm. but i think it was more sadness that then kind of morphed into friendliness um and it's funny because like considering that my parents were so friendly growing up i still couldn't fathom how they ever had gotten together in the first place because i was so little i didn't have any memories of them but Uh it but but it was nice to sort of see (laughs) like so so here i have the opposite kind of situation where i'm looking at two parents who are really have a great amicable relationship and i'm still like how did you ever live in the same house you're so different but to have your parents stay together up through until the time you're almost an adult and know what that life is like under one roof um and then have that have them separate you just you just hope so much with two people that you love that they'll get to a point where each of their lives is better without the other to the point where they can forgive and be friendly you know it's hard right and they both do have wonderful lives now 
they've both remarried and are very happily married. Um, I don't call their spouses my stepmom and stepdad because, like, I was an adult when it happened, so yeah. I never grew up in the house with them. Um, but they're very happy and still cannot be in the same room as each other. But it really is like I had the same thought um, in retrospect years later. I was like, yeah, you know, come to think of it, they really would have been a terrible match. <laughs> but and somehow me, my yeah. brother and sister, you know, we came out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so there was some good. Did you ever get in trouble with them uh, when you were doing this, these various things? Or did you any anything that you were doing that they might not approve of uh, was overshadowed by them not knowing because you were doing lots of good things and you were a good kid? I was a pretty good kid. Um, but any like all the, the bad stuff. I had a friend uh, who his mother thought that I was a bad influence on him. And my mother thought that he was a bad influence on me. So we were just terrible influences on each other and blamed each other to our own parents. And so I that relationship that. worked out I can't great. Tell you, Did you really? I tell you how much I understand that. Fully, fully understand that. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was Matt's idea. And he's yeah. saying it was Mark's idea. <laughs> yeah. When you got in trouble, so what would it have been? I mean, was it like we, te- we shouldn't have TP'd that person's house? Or was it like we just stayed out really late? Or, you know, I, was, I did drink something or whatever? Yeah, we would just I, – I never got – the only thing I ever got grounded for was grades. Um mm-hmm. But like, were you not a great stuff student? like that? We would. No, I was a great student. Um, but if I got a C, I was grounded for six weeks. Oh, my God. So, Gags. Yeah. That's dramatic. Yeah, it was tough, um, especially. And I got and what I got grounded from was the worst. I wasn't allowed to do the play that oh, semester. So no. like that was my grounding, which is which is cold to do to an That's actor, strict. right? That's really strict. Yeah. What do you do? What do you do? You yeah. Remember what you got the C in? Was it um, emotional enough that you have that memory seared in your mind? Oh yeah, it was. Uh, I got a C in uh, precalculus. Ew! And... Why did you have to take precalculus? I don't know. I, thought I was cause... out by algebra two, dude. Really? I get because yeah. I, I yeah I it was I don't know they required it in my school you had to have a certain number of math things and I'd done algebra in the eighth grade so that I had to do like the next progressive steps through high school and you have to take at least three so that was the next step. somehow I was in a math class every single year and I can't explain Mm -hmm. that because I never flunked or had to take another a math class again but somehow I never Mm -hmm. had to take trigonometry so I don't know I remember taking pre-algebra in seventh grade I remember taking algebra in eighth grade I remember taking geometry in freshman year Everything else is a blur. Mm-hmm. Everything else I just call algebra. <laughs> Any math is algebra. I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I can't yeah, explain I, it. Math to me is one of those things that I I can't. I Kudos to whoever understands it and has the logic brain to do it. I am not that person. Yeah. Um, but I distinctly remember the night that I got that C uh, because my my dad – is very bombastic guy and he was being very calm and telling me why he was going to ground me. And my response to that, because I guess, because I'm, you know, 16, 17 and don't, this was, they were, they were still together at the time. So we were all still in the same house and I, I didn't know how to process emotions. So this sort of 
fear and dejection and humiliation of this manifested itself in the worst possible way, which was laughing. <laughs> and, oh, and my dad went from very calm to oh, really, really yelly no. mad really quickly. And I was like, yeah. no, I, I couldn't. I didn't have the the wherewithal to be like, no, this is just my response to feeling this way because I don't understand emotions yet. Right, right. Yeah, I am awkward. <laughs> Do, yeah. When you say that you couldn't process emotions, my first thought as a former teenage girl was mm-hmm. um, how did that play into your dating life? Or were you able to process your emotions when it came to girls that you had crushes on or, or little, like, did you have little or long relationships? No, I never had long relationships in high school. I was, I was a permanent ducky in high school um, because I guess of the, you know, being diplomatic and wanting to try to empathize and, oh, you're going out with uh, this guy. Oh yeah, that'll, sure. I'll help you pick an outfit. Sure. Um, so I became friends with every girl that I had a crush on. Yeah. And then eventually I would muster up the courage to tell them that I had a crush on them. And they would all end that conversation with, that's really sweet, but. Yeah, that's so, yeah, so hard. It was tough, but that's hard. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that is really does seem like an age where so often having that friendship like this wonderful relationship like everything you're told about the idea mm-hmm. of relationships like it's great to be friends first and like let the relationship move at its own pace and all of this kind of garbage which by the way is not garbage at all but <laughs> at, when you're a teenager no. you're you know and then and then but like because of all of those previously uh mentioned hormones so often and it went both ways and it went, you know, and mm. obviously and, and from our era, even harder being gay. Right. Because then you really don't mm. know what you can say and when. But yeah, but, it's, exactly. you know, it was hard. It was hard, hard enough being straight. I can't, you know, the idea of just being like fully and completely gay and knowing it and not being able to uh, feel like you could address that would just be shattering but yeah it just seemed like so like i had the same thing where i would have a crush on someone that was a friend and by the time i got around to saying anything they only saw me as a friend it was like if i had just been some mean girl who didn't pay attention to them then i would have stood a chance which is so confusing Mm -hmm. and then it would happen to me on the other side where a guy friend of mine would say something and i would i would hate that i didn't have feelings for him because I knew what it felt like to be that person and still I couldn't manufacture something I didn't feel so it was just kind of happening in all different directions to everybody and uh and it was so confusing yeah it's good that you had the that you had both sides of it so you could deal with it though so you knew what like you knew what would work and what wouldn't and what would get a message through and what wouldn't I guess. You know what I mean? Know. I don't, yeah, I mean, I do. I, I mean, I, 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 on paper, I would say that's true, but I, I don't, I still remember everything just feeling messy all the time. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there, and I guess I had it on the that other side as well, that there were girls that would be interested in me and I just wouldn't be interested in them. But there was never a moment... I didn't I never had that version of it. I never had to be the one to break it to a person. Right. Uh so I guess I guess I lucked out or I don't know. <laughs> uh I'll tell you 
I'll tell you one way one way not to deal with uh, telling a friend crush that you like them that I tried nearly every time. Oh. Uh, and it was just more work than it needed to be. <laughs> uh, which was writing them a song. Oh, oh I wrote so many yes. songs. Yeah. So bad. And I actually... <sighs> I, I actually I, think I, I knew that. I seem to remember like some... I, I almost feel like I remember you making a joke about that or someone making a joke about that. And this would have been like a couple years ago, just in passing. Uh-huh. And I, I remember thinking like, oh, I got to get into that. <laughs> what? What? How? Who? What? Did you yeah. play the guitar for them or play the piano yeah. or just oh, sing well, it? I would... Or did they all sound similar to one another? <laughs> This, can I? Okay, this is a terrible confession to make. Uh, I recycled one once and just changed a few words. <laughs> uh, Good for you. Because this went on into college, I used a high school one on a college. <laughs> what? What? How? How were they different from one another? Um, the songs. Do you remember they any were of all them? Basically, they were all basically the same theme, mm-hmm. which was, uh, <laughs> I know we're friends, but I really like you, and this is the only way I know how to tell you. <laughs> they all had the exact same theme. And it never worked. It never worked. <laughs> Not once. But I kept trying. Oh, that is so adorable. Oh, it's so adorable <laughs> and wonderful. Oh, it's great. And the it's song great. and the lyrics would the were song always, always so... have their name in it? Like would you rhyme something with their name? Oh no, no, no. It would just have uh details about moments that we had shared. So oh, that was gags. tough to like try and rework the rhymes to be the same. You know what I mean? Do- like how do oh shoot. How do I make that trip to the laundromat where I rhyme the word wash? <laughs> how do I how do I make that about our bicycle ride? Oh god. You oh know my what I mean? heart is breaking. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> do you have any of them? Do you have any of them written down somewhere? Like I would I would pay a studio to be the producer of an album. <laughs> That you recorded, even if I was the only person with the only copy, a professional sounding album of all of these songs. I think I have all of them written down. I may even still have recordings of all of them. Oh, God, I love this. (laughs) I'll I'll send them along to you. Oh, God. It's just darling. Did you ever? It was. It, it, uh, we never worked, though. Yeah, that's I the know, problem, Janet. It, is it was like, so much oh, more that's adorable. adorable. That it didn't work. It's so much more adorable that it didn't work. Oh, yeah. Thanks. The worst. <laughs> 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 well, what about when you finally did um, start dating? Would you write songs for those people? Because then you would be sure it didn't have to be a song about how you wanted to tell them but didn't know how to, because you would have yeah. already made the deal. Hmm. Once I was once I was in a thing, and I was I never really had a, a girlfriend. Until, I mean, there was a girl in eighth grade that I was like, "Will you go with me?" And she was like, "Yeah." And we held hands for like two weeks, but oh, that's yeah, not counts. you know that counts. That counts. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was my first. Um, but then, like, I've, I've I guess I've always been uh, a fan of these idyllic um, 
like romantic comedy moments that mm-hmm. only exist in fiction that if you try right. to do them in real life come across as really terribly awkward. <laughs> um, so any like organic, real relationship that I had, um, I would write songs in those just as like, uh, you know, for like an anniversary present or, yeah. or a month anniversary because this was, you know, school. Okay, wait, and I forgot um, to I forgot to to clarify how you would deliver mm-hmm. these songs, like with instruments, etc. Oh, so well, it varied. Um, a couple of times, I just had the guitar with me, and I would like <sighs> I muster up the courage to say something, <laughs> and like I would like find that moment. I'd be like, I'm gonna do it this week. Would you have memorized uh, the song, or would you take out like a folded piece of paper and and be looking? Oh at no, it? I'd always pull out a piece of paper. Okay. I'd never have it memorized. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I wasn't crazy. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, and then, but uh, on a couple of occasions, because I had a keyboard when I was a kid, on a couple of occasions, I would, rec- and I had a, a four-track machine, one of those little cassette tape four-tracks. Uh, I would I would record and play the song, and then I would overlay violins on top. Yeah, oh, I would make, like, elaborate productions sometimes. Yeah, de- depending on how how much I felt for the girl and whether or not I thought I would be able to get through the song. Wait, were you playing the violins? Uh, no, 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 no. I was playing it on the keyboard. I would set the keyboard to. Uh, uh, I would set the keyboard to uh, the violin setting. I just remembered. Okay, so I like just a remembered synthesizer. If you, yeah. If you want me to do it, I can remember uh, the chorus. To the song. Need you ask? You that, don't need to ask, please. <laughs> that I sang for. Uh, uh, this is. I think this is the one. I. This is the one I use on two different people. <laughs> um, and it's terrible because this was my relationship oh. with both of them. Uh, it would make sense it, that that would be right. the words that you remembered since you. <laughs> uh, and it was. And by the way, the third line of this is completely is a complete lie. Uh, is a is a complete <laughs> lie. Uh, it goes. Oh my god! I can't believe I'm about to sing this. This is so embarrassing. I love uh, you. I love you. Thank you for doing this. It was. We never had a fairy tale, but what we had was real. I never wrote a song for you, but I told you how I feel. I know this is the real you, not some idea I dreamed of. We never had romance. But we had love. That was the Aww. chorus, and the um, the thing is, like, but wait, you did write a song for exactly. her. Exactly. So there's a, that so was there's, sort of a wink. There's two lies in it. That's the first, and <laughs> and the other is the I know this is the real you, not some idea I dreamed of, because it was always some idea <laughs> of this girl that I had dreamed of. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it was. <laughs> It was never, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. I haven't sung that song in a very long time, Janet Varney. <laughs> Mark, are you trying to tell me something? Look, here's the thing. Because I <sighs> love you as a friend, oh. but I, mean, it's... I really like your current girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't feel right about this on a number of levels. Yeah, um... yeah I guess that's, that's, that's part of it. I do currently have a girlfriend that I love. But here's the thing, Janet. I wrote you this song. <laughs> the song is called I Never Wrote You a Song. Yeah, I wrote this for Wait, you what? 10 years How? before I met you. 
Oh, Here's man. the song that I wrote for you. Yeah, this got good. Dear Laura. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I, uh, uh, did your friends know that you were doing this? Like, did your male friends know? A couple like, of dude, them did. Maybe don't write another song, dude. A couple of them knew about it, and all of them told me it was a terrible idea. <laughs> but I was like, no, man, this time it's going to work. Not this time. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the teenage equivalent of like Elizabeth Taylor's marriages where where <laughs> someone is like, why does she think that this one is the one? And then at the same time, you're like, you know what? I admire her chutzpah. Yeah. I admire that she believes that it's just hasn't been the right one and the right time yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's to be, uh, to, to be she's forever. an optimist. And you I know? like that about Elizabeth Taylor. That's what, you know, you listen, don't be afraid to write a song about right? her. Oh, no. Do not be afraid to write Look, a song about Elizabeth, her. Look, um, Elizabeth, I told myself I was going to do this this week. I psyched myself up, so I have to. Just, <laughs> I just need you to sit there and listen. Oh, God. So good. <laughs> um, what what kind of music were what did you listen to? Were you a big theater nerd? Like, did you love the soundtracks to yeah, musicals? Yeah, I was a or big were you Broadway nerd. Love and Top 40 or... Yeah, I listened to a lot of top 40 music. I would just because, you know, you'd listen to what was on the radio because everybody would sing it in school and you wanted to be cool. I, I say you. That's right. generalizing. I would listen to top 40 radio and I wanted to be cool. So I would learn the songs. But most of my but most of my music collection was, you know, Miss Saigon, Les Mis, Phantom, Cats, <laughs> Crazy for You. These were the CDs that I wore out. Little Shop of Horrors. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. And it, a, I mean, that is that's Broadway all the yeah, way. Yeah, it was the it was it was sort of a golden age of Broadway too. When I grew up, it was like the age of the mega hit, these mega hits that would last mm-hmm. forever and ever and ever. Was Knoxville like? Is that? I mean, you sort of have Nashville, mm-hmm. and you have uh, this kind of the, the a lot of like really real professional artistic production happening. Uh, in that corner of the world, was that something that you felt an awareness of in Knoxville too? Yeah, I well, where there was like, oh yeah, this is like there's this there's a ton of musicians in Tennessee and they're doing their thing and they're following their dream. And did you have a, 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 a any kind of appreciation for country music? That's that's more of a Nashville game. Um, yeah. Knoxville was we had a lot of bluegrass in Knoxville, but my my my, my oh, even better family never listened to bluegrass music, so I just never listened to bluegrass music. Um, but I did as I got older and had a real appreciation for it. Uh, but we were, we were kind of a, as far as theater went, we were a, we were a road town. Like we would get the big national tours would come through our town Mm. and play for a week and then they would move on to the next stop. So every big musical that I saw growing up, I saw the national tour of it come through Knoxville, but I also grew up doing plays, uh, outside of school and, we have this beautiful old theater in Knoxville called the Bijou that is on the National Registry of Historic Places. It was a vaudeville house. W.C. Fields played there oh, nice. and the Marx Brothers and the Three Stooges. It was a historic spot. And that's where I grew up doing plays. So theater for me as a kid, I was – aside from the road shows, I was less a consumer of it and more a um, willing participant in it. 
right, right. So that's that's another thing too, right? That's a, I mean, you said you were a floater, but that's if you're doing theater where it's not just kids and it's sort of adults, right? Where you would you play like the kid part exactly. in a show? I was like I was the kid yeah. and the I, nerd. I, I wished I had done that. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was that's cool too because. You kind of get treated like an equal sooner than a lot of kids do, Mm -hmm. I think, when you're doing stuff like that. Yeah, that was nice. And everyone at school knew that I was the kid that did plays outside of school. You know what I mean? So a lot, whereas a lot of the theater kids would get sort of eyeballed sideways. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess a lot of people knew that I was, they're like, no, 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 he wants to do this. He wants to do this for a living. Uh, so let him slide. Also, my brother was on the football team and I knew all the linemen, so I wasn't ever going to get picked on, which was nice. That's, that's, that is handy. Yeah. It's hard to know how that's going to go sometimes. Cause sometimes if you aren't athletic, but you have a sibling who mm-hmm. is, it seems like, um, that's sometimes it's the opposite and it's like extra bullying because, well, maybe not. I well, don't that, know. We also, it seems like that could be possible that. I never was the victim of bullying because my brother has a great head on his shoulders and always has. And the friend, he was on the offensive line and the friends that he surrounded himself with were like-minded, just good dudes. So they weren't the ones doing the bullying in the school. You know, normally I guess like the cliche is the big football players are the bullies. And they're like, no, these guys were just nice dudes who were big and played football and had my back. Yeah. So that was nice. Yeah, I don't know who was bu- I don't know who was bullying in in my high school. Now, when I think about it, I mean, I sort of have I I have a sense of it when I was being bullied, like in, when I was younger. But the my school was so big, mm-hmm. and and I was so not a part of anything organized to the degree where I would know that that was going on. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't any in the world that I was a part of, mm-hmm. uh, and so I I just don't even remember having an awareness you were never the maybe there maybe my maybe my school was bully free yeah right that can't be true (laughs) so you were you what was your bullied period you never had a bully period i assume Uh, oh god no no No, uh my i got at the worst in like grades four five six um and then seven eight uh i was being bullied more by like mean guys Mm -hmm. um but like in a really bad way not in like a like, oh, they must like you, like, in a way where I would get, like, pushed down in the hall for reasons I didn't understand. Oh, you know what I God. mean? Like, get the wind knocked out of me. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like... <laughs> that kind of stuff is just... It wasn't like, no, he pulled my pigtails. Yeah. That, it just seems so... It's so dumb and impractical. It's like, all oh, you're doing... You're just... There's no reason. <laughs> you're just making her late for class and knocking the wind out of this nice person yeah. for no reason. Like, it... Uh... I just think, I mean, that maybe that's the kind of the beat. Some of that is the beginnings of not knowing how to deal with your feelings, mm-hmm. right? And not knowing how to deal with hormones and all that. Just feeling like, I mean, that's, that's I guess, a whole separate conversation. And I got to get into this MASH game that most <laughs> assuredly will not be about bullies. Um, uh, let me let me get into this MASH game. Let me ask you some some uh, gags-related Please, questions I'm very that excited I hope you'll enjoy. <clears throat> uh, let's do, first category is three musicals that are actually real places and lives and worlds. Uh, so it's not up on a stage. It's existing okay. somewhere in the universe. And you can jump into it. Um, and it doesn't mean that you you are one of the characters. It just means that you get to go be with those characters in that world. Uh, three. Uh, okay. Two of them for very similar reasons. 
rent and hair mm-hmm. uh, because I love that right. sort of we're all in this we're all artists in this together romantic notion yeah um, yep and uh, and hair and rent both have that so rent uh, you know New York City 1968 with all the hippies um, having a big yeah. B in together uh, I guess both New York City both of those stories um, yeah 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 I love that. Uh, a third musical that. I guess Tin Types. Do you know the musical Tin Types? I don't. It, I don't think it takes place. It's it's similar to Ragtime. It takes place around the twen- uh, the turn of the century, and one of the characters that's Ooh, that that's fun. a through line in, or maybe like the you know aughts or nineteen teens, um, early twentieth century. One of the characters in that is. A sort of Chaplin-esque silent film character, and it deals, and that mm-hmm. play deals oh, with that's the, great. Yeah, the characters in this are Harry Houdini and um, uh, would it, would it have been Susan B. Anthony then? Like there was a suffragette. I don't remember which one it was at this point, um, but like these were the the like cool revolutionary. I guess yeah, it, sure. revolution in musicals to me is fun. Absolutely. That's great. And those are the worlds That's I'd like great. to live in. You wrap up all that passion. It's the, well, stories like that, too, then it starts to feel like it makes sense to burst into song somehow. Right. Uh, because the emotions are so strong. And it's harder when it's like a musical that's not maybe not about something really intense because then it sort of stands out more when there's a musical number for no that, like <laughs> right. You're kind of like, I don't want... I guess now I'm getting... Like, now I'm being too analytical. I'm wondering why they're singing right now. Um uh, and the best musicals that, you know, it feels like not only does it make sense, but like there's like with you and your the crushes you had, there was no other way to say it. But, yeah, but <laughs> um, can I I know I know this is that you're that this is your show and you do the interview. And can I ask you what your favorite musical is, though? Uh, the Music Man. Oh, I love that one. Old school. Yeah. Old school. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just think it was so ahead of its time in terms of like how it structured itself mm-hmm. and the songs um, blending together and, and, and be, you know, hearing, hearing a song and having no idea that later on in the musical, someone else's song will end up melding with that other song. I just think that was so genius. Oh yeah. Um, it seemed like there was just like really, really creative stuff going on. Um, well, I mean the opening uh, okay, number and, and the opening number on the train and exactly. you got trouble. Those are two iconic, super weird, weird songs, but became part of the yeah, exactly. canon of Broadway. Yeah, yeah, they went they went some weird places, mm-hmm. and uh, and I love it. So, so yeah, that would be it for me. Okay, uh-huh. now got back to you, back to you and Mash. <laughs> okay. um, I'm gonna get. I'm going to get this category out of the way because I'm going to eat dinner when we get off the phone. So I'm thinking about food. Um, three foods that uh, in this MASH universe are not only not bad for you, but in fact, they're good for you. And uh, you can have them at the snap of a finger. It can be as specific as, you know, a very special uh, cookie that you had someplace. Or it can just be pizza, you know, uh, foods that, that do it for you. Mm-hmm. Three. Um, one is the... When you said cookies, it made me think of it. The chocolate chip cookies backstage at Disneyland before they switched oh, over good. to uh, a different company. When I first yep. started Disneyland, they yep. they backstage in the uh, commissary they had uh, they had these chocolate chip cookies that were like muffin tops. They were big and dense, oh, and they were my. like cakes, and they are still to this day the greatest Wonderful. chocolate chip cookie I've ever eaten in my life. 
Oh, what a great answer. Yeah. Good luck with your other two, because that's be <laughs> tough to beat. Um, my second is my favorite meal from childhood that my mom would always make for us, which was mm-hmm. um, baked chicken tenders, but breaded, like, because we didn't have a deep fryer, mm-hmm. so you get, like, the frozen yep. chicken tenders and put them in the oven. Um, mm-hmm. uh, French cut green giant green beans from the can. Great. Uh, Velveeta shells and cheese. So that as a meal. Yeah. That was a, that was my other favorite growing up, and a uh, and I think my third is a Lou Malnati, not Lou Malnati's. Um, Lou Malnati's or Geno's or Chicago's Pizza, a Lou Malnati's deep dish Chicago pizza because that is what we lived on in Chicago, and it. It is the most delicious thing. I know a lot of people argue whether or not it's pizza or just a tomato pie. But to me, it was my four years of college in Chicago and I gained 50 pounds eating them. (laughs) I bet. I bet. That's it's tough when the thing that becomes your favorite food when you're that age is like you're like, but. It's my favorite food. How can I not eat it all the time? What do you mean it's not good for me? Like that's sort of a thing that's very not understandable um, in a certain (laughs) time in life, I think. But You know what, though? Uh, It's still not understandable for me right now. And I realized this the other day (laughs) as I walked past uh, the the little deli on my block. And I was like, you know, and I was like, I want to go in here and get a cookie. I was like, I'm going to have a cookie today. And I went in and I bought myself a cookie. I love cookies, if you haven't noticed. Um, I went in, I bought myself I a cookie too. and I started thinking to myself, you know, I'm an adult now. Cookies should be a sometimes food as uh, cookie monster now tells children on the show. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, and I realized when I did this, I was like, yeah, cookies should be a sometime food. Then why is this cookie that I just bought like the ninth day in a row of buying a cookie? like just because i can eat whatever i want as an adult doesn't mean i should just be eating and it's the big cookie too it's not like a little like i'm having one oreo out of the sleeve like this is a cookie that gets its own packaging yeah individually absolutely don't bother don't bother me with one oreo i don't have time no nobody does uh i need i need i need i need i need all or nothing. Um, I, okay, um, real quick. No, I get it. I get it. About Oreos. Yeah. This is a dumb thing that I did once with Oreos that I loved. I took a sleeve of Oreos, put them in a bowl, poured milk over the top, grabbed a wooden spoon, and ate it like cereal in front of cartoons. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely. Feels like a no-brainer. Right. Feels like a no-brainer. I don't know why I never did that. <laughs> I love it. And I basically was doing the same thing where like anything that you could make as a Rice Krispie treat that wasn't a Rice Krispie, Ooh. that would be something like that. It would be like, well, why don't I just put a bunch of Oreos <laughs> in this melted marshmallow and just eat that instead? Like, like yeah. I, that seems logical. Melted marshmallow was just food glue that cooled off into the Rice glue. Krispie it's treats. You could put Guys, anything it's in just it. just food glue. Yeah. Yeah. Chill out. It's just food glue, guys. Uh, Amazing. Um, Okay, let's do uh, because you said Cookie Monster and advice that reminded me of this um, this idea of maybe you having a fictional best buddy or like a fictional buddy who is is, you know, comes from the sort of make believe world and on some level. So it could be Luke Skywalker. It could be Cookie Monster. It could be Batman. But one that's actually Um, in some canon. Three. Yeah, three, three, three people. or or animals or whatever that are like your buddy that you get to hang around with. Ooh, 
Oh, that's so good. Um, <laughs> Quasimodo from the Disney Hunchback movie. Oh, sure. Uh, yep. Because he was just so kind. Um, yeah. I liked him a lot. And he could sing really well. Uh, yeah. So he was he would be one. Um, I guess they all will be kind of encouragey. You know what I mean? Like. But mm-hmm. that's what you sure, that's what you not? want in an imaginary friend. Yeah. Um Yeah. Danny Zuko. Oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Danny Danny Zuko from I Greece. I love it. I feel like I need to have one sort of it. anthropomorphic animal in there. Yeah, I would like that. I'd like to see that. Um <laughs> Can it be because this was maybe my biggest influence as a child and the reason that I got into theater? Can it just be all of the Muppets? Oh, sure. Okay. Let's just give you all the Muppets. Okay. Why not? But if I had to pick one, it would be Fozzie. Why not? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to – I'm putting Fozzie in parentheses to remind myself. But, I mean, I I mean, I mean, agree with you that I would want all of the Muppets too. So, great choice. Uh, <laughs> let's do um, – <clears throat> let's do uh, uh, three uh, places that you would have a vacation home if traveling to get to them weren't a pain in the butt. Um, this sort of in our world, you're magically transported there. Uh, three real places on earth that it would be fun to have a vacation home. Okay. Um, I haven't really seen terribly much of the earth, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> it can be a place you think you know you would like, even if you haven't been there yet. Right. You could really just go for it if you wanted to. I, I would like to have – one is I drove up the coast with my dad once and my brother, and we saw this house on a jetty in Rockport, Massachusetts, a very small town, mm. but a beautiful house out on a jetty. And all three oh, of us how specific this said, is. If, I, if I could buy that house, I would. Like each That's each great. of us would have That's, individually bought that house. That is what this game is for. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love that you were able to pull that. That one was pretty amazing. Two more. Um, yeah. I would. Huh. I don't know Italy, but I know I'm gonna love it. Oh hell yeah! Right, you but I'm a city fan, so I think like. Somewhere just outside of Rome. I don't know what that right. even means. Yep. But like, I'd like to be able to go into the city and enjoy things. But there, there's something about that like beautiful uh, pastoral image of Italian hillsides that I really, really like. Um, but I don't like to be too Absolutely. isolated. Absolutely from gorgeous. Uh, and. Oh, gosh. If it wasn't a pain to get there, I would love to have a home in New Zealand. I loved Wellington, New Zealand I so much. Say that, right? Wellington. Oh, oh Wellington so is one of the world's I greatest hoped that cities. You would say. Yeah. So great. Yeah. So, it's, so it's, great. Okay, listen. Okay. Good. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to go on and oh, on no, about no, Wellington. No, no. I, no, you can wax you can wax rhapsodic about it. I love it too. Wellington to me was uh, has it's a crescent shaped city in a bay. So the maritime life there, I love living and being on the water. Uh, the maritime life yep, there is really yep. fun. But also, I don't know if you noticed this when we were there. The ethnic neighborhoods in uh, in Wellington are so specific 
that they're that Wellington feels like Epcot to me. Like there's this little Mexican, oh, yeah. there's this oh, little yeah. Mexican area, and there's like pinatas hanging up in the streets, and the houses are all brightly colored. And then there's uh, a Chinese area where it's this crazy food market where there's just yeah. a million smells coming yeah. through, and all of those different neighborhoods have those different feels, and I loved that. Yeah, I do too. I really, really loved it. Ugh, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, okay, listen, I got to get this out of the way. I love your girlfriend and I mean Me her with respect, but this is a mash game. Mash game rules are I need you to give me uh, three ladies. Mm-hmm. It could be for uh, casual, sexy, fun times. It could be for like alternate universe wife. It could be um, anyone from history. It could be anyone from fiction. It doesn't have to be, you know, it could be like Molly Ringwald from 16 Candles or, you know, it could right. be. Sophia Sophia Loren from 1950, you know, anything like that. There's the sky's the limit. Uh, three. Um, does it make me sound terribly old fashioned to say Donna Reed from It's a Wonderful Life, specifically that character? No, I think that's darling. Um, I think that's darling. As a that that's a good that's that's a good like that's the alternate universe. Um, yeah, absolutely. Natalie Portman, I've always had a huge crush on. Not only because I think she's beautiful, Und- understandable, but also because she's a very, Harvard very grad. Yes, like yes, that, smart young lady. Yeah, that to me is is because you know uh, attraction is a thing, but also I would love to just talk to her every day. Yeah, um, absolutely. So that's two, and then uh, I'm going to say nicole eggert from the charles in charge years because why not i stared at that poster on my wall every day for (laughs) my entire youth who can blame you yeah who can blame you charles in charge of our days and our nights charles in charge of our wrongs and our our rights. rights i want charles in charge of me i liked the i the the whole sort of like the whole kind of awkwardness of like he lives under our roof and he's the boss of me, but I have a crush on him mm-hmm. that Josie Davis's character had going on yes. was like just just <laughs> dangerous enough that I was like, listen, I really get it. I really get yeah. it. This is um, my Mormon fantastic. scandal life. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's absolutely right. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Let's do uh three Let's do you wake up tomorrow and you've downloaded Matrix style, uh, like three skills that you wish you could sort of wake up and, you know, and and, and you're like, I know Kung Fu, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would like to be able to sight read music on the piano. Nice. So I could play any song put in front of me. Or you know what? I would like to be able to sight and just by ear play any music. So if someone said this yeah. song, I would love to be able to just sit down and play it. Great. Um, great, great, great. I would love to be able to stand anywhere on a football field and kick the ball through the uprights. Wonderful. Because the, there's a rule against roughing the kicker, and I love football. <laughs> great. Um, great. And, like, do these all need to be, like, within the realm of possibility, or can they be supernatural? Opposed to, like, a superhero role? I'm going to go with within the realm of possibility. All right. So, the world's best kicker, then, because from any point on a field, yeah. that's... Yeah. There, yeah. People would think there was funny yeah. business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, I think, uh, I would like to wake up 
knowing all of the world's languages. Yeah. That's fantastic. Fantastic use of this category on all on all categories. Oh, good. Gags. Thanks. Fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. You're doing great. I'm so nervous. Um, so, this is the part I was the most nervous about. Uh, oh, boy. Well, I think you're doing wonderfully. Oh, thanks. Now, listen. I just had a thought that I have never done before. Uh-huh. Uh, not really. Maybe I've done some version of this, but nothing quite like this. Let's say you have to be... Give me a list of three women mm-hmm. that uh, it's it would be like you spend uh, like not just a day in the life, but like a few days in the life of of, uh, of an iconic woman. And it could be from any era. OK. Um, Edith Wilson, I've become obsessed with. Who was Woodrow Wilson's wife. And after he had a stroke, was the first female president of the United States, but had to hide it from the world and still pretend that he was running things. Um, Great choice. So I would like to I would like to spend time with her post uh, post. It's terrible to say, but after his stroke. Yeah, that's great. Um, That would be that would be a really fun one. I would love to meet Abigail Adams. This two first ladies, I realize. Well, you're gonna you're gonna be Abigail Adams. You understand? I am. Yeah, I'm turning. Oh, you I into get to these be. These this. are three. Oh, I thought this three was... women that you you're living a day in the life as them. Oh, I thought this was living a day in the life with them. Oh no, oh, no, as no, no. them. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that may change the first one because I don't want to be the president. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm glad we were able to uh, address how amazing Eve Wilson was, though, even if you don't want to be. Yeah, her. she's fantastic and amazing and the best. Um, gosh, oh, this if I could be any woman from history. Let me think. Yeah, three. Or it could just be like, listen, I want to I love Meryl Streep. I would want to be Meryl Streep and see and feel what it would feel like for a few days to be like beloved and have this great family oh, we can, and we family can, life and you know what I mean? If we can go with people that are currently alive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Carol Burnett. I just wanted to widen it out. Widen it out. Great. I would love to I would love to have a week as Carol Burnett. Back in the day right. when she was just given complete free reign. Of, it was like, hey, here's a yeah. big empty television studio and an audience. Do whatever you Great. want. Great. Love that it. Was, uh, Agreed. That was a sort of epic time. Um, Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to stick with Edith Wilson. Great. Yeah. I'm a, you know what? Because I, I don't want to disparage Edith Wilson like that and take her off of the, like, I really like you, but I wouldn't want to be you. Um, uh-huh. Right. You're a nice vacation, but I wouldn't want to live there. No, screw that. I'll live there for a few days. Um, great. Great. I'm proud of you. Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> and gosh, I don't know a third. Like maybe a great female athlete just to feel like Billie Jean King Ooh, that's to great. feel what it's like yeah. to be a world class athlete. I think that's great. And Billie Jean I King's love, a super badass. Jean. Also. I think that's great. Yeah, I would. I would. I, listen, I would pick being Billie Jean King for a week. I think that'd be fantastic. Um, okay, great, 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 great. Uh, okay, and then final one. 
I'm gonna go with I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna take myself on a little twist. Wasn't necessarily Ooh. planning on this one with you because we didn't talk about movies that much. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna say three sort of movie styles or director like di- like directors directorial styles that it would be fun to kind of have your life be even just for a day sort of mapped out by so it would be like oh for one day everyone behaves as they as people do in like a quentin tarantino movie or mm-hmm. everyone or, or oh that'd be terrifying like moody, weird david lynch for a day i know i'm picking really weird mm-hmm. ones that probably no one would feel comfortable with but <laughs> right <laughs> um i would i would love for my life to be like this is kind of a weird one but just because i love his movies uh the director john turtletaub Mm-hmm. Who did the National Treasure movies and Disney's The Kid? Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah. his worlds are just filled with adventure and fun. Yeah, and absolutely. Fast-paced silliness yeah. surprises. L- you learn um, something like about yourself which, by the end. A world in which there's a map on the Constitution. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah exactly. the world that has that as a thing. I think that's. I think that's a great choice. Uh, I really like um, him. Two more. Um, I would love to – I'm terrible with directors, I guess. Um, Jim Henson, of course. Great. Like I, yeah. Great. I would love to live in the world where I could go to Broadway and see the Muppets take Manhattan or be yeah. – be with the Muppets as they are taking Manhattan on that big Broadway stage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it could be a style too. If like you, if you don't, if you don't want to name a specific director, you could be like, well, what you know, uh, to have sort of a musical life, or you know, like uh, a western. Or I was, you know, what I was just gonna say, uh, a western. I would love to live in like one of those spaghetti westerns from the sixties yeah. and seventies. That, uh, or even like maybe not the gritty ones, like the super gritty nineties, like Clint Eastwood westerns. Because I'm like, those oh, seem things seems a lot dirtier there. Like. They really. I like yeah, the western yeah. where you know everybody's hair still looks nice. <laughs> Everyone's teeth are still yeah, white. Your teeth are still white. Your hair uh, looks nice. You took a shower yeah. that morning. You put on the brightly yeah. colored bandana, and then you went. <laughs> but I wouldn't want to be like a gunfighter. I would want to be the saloon keeper. Yeah. Or the piano player yeah, the- because I would have that skill where I could just play any song in the world. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh! Listen, you would be so beloved in that world. Right? They'd be like, "I had a tough day out on the range, but I came in and had my sarsaparilla." Yeah, and I never wrote a song exactly. for you, but I told. <laughs> oh God, that's wonderful. Okay, uh, I'm gonna do this little quick thing where I say, "Tell me when." to stop okay uh stop and you have to tell me when to stop okay um all right can you i'm gonna say um what i'm gonna do is say one two three pause can you pause your recording easily so mm-hmm. that um i can just do this real quick and that it, to the listener it will seem as if no time has passed yeah. and we'll come back mm-hmm. okay one two three now we're going. okay are you there mm-hmm. okay great all right listen this is great I'm feeling really good about it. I think you will too. Okay. Number one, I want to congratulate you on your beautiful vacation house in Rockport, Massachusetts. You got the house on the jetty. Oh, you got good. the house on the jetty. Oh, so excited. That's very exciting. It's very exciting. It's the kind of place that you want your 
buddies the Muppets to stop by? Yes. It's the kind of house that you want to come home to after you've had a crazy fun day in a John Turtletaub-esque world. Yes. It's the house you want to come home to after you dip into the world of rent whenever you feel like you want to kind of live in a different land for Mm -hmm. a little while. Yeah. Uh, And by the way, your ability to um, play anything by sight or ear uh, musically is really going to come in handy in this musical rent world that you live in uh, from time to time. Uh, but if if for some reason someone's like, hey, what, what, I know you're a great musician, but like, what else? You can be like, you know what? Let me just pop in to Billie Jean King's body for a few days and feel what it feels like to be a world-class athlete. Oh, total man. Badass. It's the best workout, too. <laughs> well, speaking of workouts, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to really work up your appetite. And I want you to know that you have unlimited access with zero health ramifications to the Disneyland cookies. Oh, thank God. It's all I'm going to eat. Oh, I'm really excited for you. And you know the Muppets are going to be pigging out on those with you. Oh, yeah. There is a uh, Muppet whose name is Cookie Monster. I mean, enough said. Uh, and then uh, you're, the person that you ended up with sharing all of this is none other than Nicole Eggert. <laughs> <laughs> From Charles in Charge. Oh, Charles in Charge era Nicole Eggert. <laughs> wonderful that poster has come to life (laughs) pretty crazy (laughs) crazy. i'm so happy because Uh, she's got this loose braid that's just beautiful oh sure sure the loose french braid i know exactly what you're talking about and i think it's also exactly what you're talking about where i became obsessed with eyelet clothing oh okay yeah Yeah. i know exactly what you're talking about sure Mm -hmm. sure 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 uh I mean, I didn't know you were obsessed with it, but I'm pleased to know well, that now. Um, <laughs> obsessed I, was a, I, a really I, strong term. That, <laughs> I don't know why I picked that word. Uh, um, so let's all uh, send Mark some eyelet clothing for him to wear. I don't know how that's going to work <laughs> out, but um, uh, you can be heard on We Got This. Uh, that is a wonderful podcast. I hope to one day do it. And uh, and and I strongly encourage people who have not listened to it to listen to it. I have a feeling if you already know who Mark is, you probably are listening to it. But if you are uh, not from the Thrilling Adventure Hour world as much, um, you need to get into that. You need to get into We Got This. And uh, would you like to um, tell people where they can find you online? Yeah, I'm uh, at Mark Gags on Twitter and Instagram. And that's pretty much what I use for everything. At Mark Gags. It mm-hmm. doesn't get any easier than that. Right. Now, I do have one final piece of business that I need to address with you. Okay. I wish we were in the same room for this because it's one of my favorite parts of A Boys of Summer. But I do need you to sing a snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer to take us out on the podcast. Ooh. I don't know how it goes. You don't know that song at all? No. Can I quickly, can we hit that, do that hit stop thing again and I'll listen to it real quick? Uh, or remind yes, me how it goes? I may know well, it. Well, it's kind of like, it's like uh, the chorus is like, I can see you, your brown skin shining in the sun. You got some, hmm, baby. You know it? <laughs> I don't. I, I vaguely, no, I, I can see you. Dun, 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 dun. Is it the one that, uh, it's not the one that ends yeah. in Sultans of Swing. That's a different song, right? <laughs> You know what? I'm going to accept that. 
I'm going to accept oh, that man, your I boys in like summer I, turned into okay this, this whole time. <laughs> I did okay this whole time, and I failed so miserably at the end. That is not. It's not a test. Uh, I'm gonna. I, I think from now on, maybe the lyrics should just be. I will. I can tell you, my love for you will still be strong because we are the sultans of swing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gags! Thank you so much for doing the podcast. It has and, been uh, such a pleasure. To, uh, I hope to get uh, a hug from you in person. Uh, ASAP. You I'll will... be in New York for uh, I'll be in New York for Comic Con, so that's October. But that seems like a long way away. Are you coming to LA anytime soon? I will be in LA for one starry night at the Pasadena Playhouse, a benefit to raise money for ALS on August fifteenth. So I'll be there that oh, week. Listen to that. Um, well, guys, that's an opportunity for you to support. Uh, what a great show that's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun show, and uh, and I am going to see you when I come there, but. And give you a real hug. And also, uh, Hal and I have to have you on our show. Of course. Of course, of course. And in the meantime, I'm enjoying this audio hug. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I am to please. I am to please. Um, All right, guys. uh, Talk to you next time on the podcast. And thanks again, Tags. Bye. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.